Well, good morning, everybody. It is a good morning. This is the day the Lord has made for us to do what? And be glad in Him. Amen. We're not just glad in it, we're glad in Him. You know why? Because He's the one who made us glad. Amen. We don't have to try to get glad. He made us glad. Aren't you glad that He made you glad? Tell somebody, glad looks good on you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Turn with me this morning in your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 2. And guys in the back, make sure you give me the little countdown card thing today. Five minutes, two minutes, you know. You know how I am. I need that. Thank you. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Something was happening here that had never happened before. God was fulfilling His promise and poured out His Spirit. And the day that His Spirit was poured out, it has never been taken back. His Spirit has been here in manifest form since Acts chapter 2. So stop asking him to show up. He's here. Amen. Now, Jesus said something was going to be happening not only with us, but something was going to be happening in us. Amen. Turn over with me to Hebrews chapter 9, and let's look at verse 8. Hebrews chapter 9. And verse 8, the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holy of holies, the holiest of all, was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. That's the problem with the old covenant model of worship. You never get there. Because you're trying to enter a place that is no longer even for us. That old covenant model, the tabernacle that the Holy Spirit is talking about, was not even manifest until this time that we're talking about in the book of Acts and the time that we are now living in today. So he goes on to say, verse 11, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle. Everybody say greater and more perfect. Mm-hmm. Not made with hands. That is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves. Everybody say, thank God. I didn't have to bring a heifer in the back of my station wagon. I'm telling you, 
It was so much easier just to lift our hands and offer the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. He says here, but, watch this, but with his what? Own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all. Ha ha ha! I like to say it this way. Once upon a time. Once. Everybody say once. He doesn't have to go in every time you sin. He doesn't have to go in and offer another sacrifice. Because how many know the issue of sin has been fully paid for? Hallelujah. You know how big this is, guys? I mean, this is, this is awesome, isn't it? Praise God. When we really begin to get a handle on this or, or even just a little piece of it, it's just awesome. He fully paid the price by his own blood. How dare we think that we can get into the Holy of Holies by our good singing? How dare we think we can get into the Holy of Holies by how high I lift my hands or whether it's a one-hander or a two-hander song? And God will be so blessed, he'll just let me come in. No, see, he's the only one who could make that way for you because he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. He's the only way to the Father. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. Amen. He, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Love this. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a what? I'm just saying. If the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifying sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Man, I'm telling you, when we come to worship we have a sin consciousness in many situations instead of realizing that that consciousness has been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. You know why people often don't worship? Remember I was talking about the guy in the back row last night who had his hands like this and that was my goal to get him to worship? You know why most people do this? They're not trying to do that to be mean. They're doing this because their whole internal makeup is sin consciousness. They don't feel worthy. They'd love to worship God, but first of all, most of them have a father issue. And so they're coming to worship this guy that they think is mad at him, at them. And now we're saying, why don't you just tell him thanks? And you're like, for what? He's mad at me. I know he hates me. I didn't pray enough. I didn't tithe enough. I didn't witness enough. I didn't sing yesterday like I should have sang. In fact, I don't ever sing, except when I come here. I don't even think he likes me. So why would I want to be in his presence? So that sin consciousness begins to envelop us and fill us to the point that we don't even, we don't even feel connected. And God wants to take us so far past that, we have to become aware of what we have on the inside in order for us to release what's in us out from us. Amen? And God has cleansed our conscience of sin consciousness by the blood of the Lamb.
once and for all. Look at this, verse 15. And for this reason. What reason? The blood. Because the blood has cleansed us for this reason. He is the mediator of a what? Of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Man, just because of time, jump over to verse uh, 22. For according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness. I'm telling you, we're forgiven. So you may not know you're forgiven, but the truth is you're forgiven. Sin is no longer an issue. That, that's been dealt with by the blood of the Lamb. So when you come with, oh God, I, I just, I'm so sorry. You know, now do we need to repent? Of course we need to repent when we sin. But listen, God's already forgiven you. The issue is not from God's perspective to you. See, God loves you. He's forgiven you. He's fully paid the price. He's for you. He's not against you. He's so in your corner, he has your picture on his refrigerator. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm a grandparent. I know about these things. You know, little magnets with the, you know. I love my grandkids. I love my kids. But I'm telling you, God's love for me is nothing like my love for my kids and my grandkids. God is crazy about us. He carries your picture in his wallet. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's how it is. Now look at verse 24 of chapter 9. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands which are copies of the true. But he's entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. <laughs> yes, for me. Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have to had suffered often since the foundation of the world. But now, once, everybody say once. once. Once upon a time. Once at the end of the ages, in the fullness of time, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. I'm telling you, church, we've got to know that the price has been fully paid. And when we understand that the price has been fully paid, we can fully enter in to all that God has for us. Look over with me at the next chapter, over at um, chapter 10. And we're going to spend a little more time on this tonight, but look at verse 19. It says, therefore, brethren, having what? Boldness. Everybody say boldness. boldness. Say it again. Boldness. Say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed to sing for Jesus. I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to dance for him. See, I think one of the big issues that the enemy tries to entrap us with is shame. When it comes to worshiping God publicly, we don't want to look weird. We don't want to appear a little different. You know what I'm saying? So we all kind of conform to this neutralized thing. You know, we've got a guy here at our Bible college. He was a second year student this year. His name is Bob. And he's, uh, I'm not sure, maybe early 70s. And uh, when I first started leading worship here back in August, 
Um, I would usually sit over here at the grand piano and be leading, and so I would have a really clear perspective over in this area. And all of a sudden, you know, however old he is, Bob, 70-something Bob, tall Bob, would begin to just kind of come out and begin to dance across this area. And, you know, he is not a ballet, ballerina or ballet kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? And as he danced, he kind of had this little peculiar, funny thing going on, you know, just kind of a... And as he's dancing, I'm telling you, I got so blessed watching him be completely oblivious to what everybody in the school thought about how he looked. And I'm like, God, I love that. I love that purity. I love that boldness. I love that innocence. They're just He's just going to let the life of God come out of him. And whatever it looks like, it looks like. And we get so consumed with what we look like in worship. I remember the first time I, my dad was a Baptist pastor and, and my mom was the first one in our household to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And it, it happened absolutely, I mean, just, we didn't even know anything about the Holy Ghost. The only time we ever heard about the Holy Ghost was when he sang the doxology. And that's what we always did after the offering. You know, praise God from whom all bless. Yeah, you know. And at the very end of it, praise Father, Son, and So I figured there must be one. I just never, you know, really knew who that was or how it worked. And, you know, my mom got filled with the Holy Ghost and, and began to speak in other tongues. Well, you can imagine that sort of uh, devotional family time we had after that happened with my Baptist dad who believed it was from the devil, married to a wife who's now speaking in tongues. And long story short, one by one, we all started getting spirit filled as a family. And uh, all of us got spirit filled. And my dad finally was the last one in our family. And he was in the, in the process of preparing a message on why tongues is not for us today. <laughs> so he's downstairs in his study and he's got, you know, at the time, this was way back in the, oh my goodness, I think late 60s. And uh, he had Pat Boone's book, uh, Sing a New Song. Some of you remember that book? And uh, They Speak in Other Tongues by uh, Cheryl, I think, yeah. And uh, he had all these things out, you know, and he's, he's preparing this sermon. And, and why, you know, the Spirit of God is, that, that all passed away with the last apostle, don't you know? You know. And my dad would give you the Hebrew and the Greek. Love my dad. I'm telling you what, he is just awesome. So um, this whole process went on. Well, my dad finally decided that, you know, okay, the Holy Ghost is still moving today, and, and I don't understand all this. Anyway, long story short, in the process of his preparing this message, my dad begins to change his perspective on what's happening. And I was president of the Full Gospel Businessman for a period of time later on, many years later, down in Alamosa, Colorado, uh, where my dad pastored First Baptist Church for a number of years, and where I met Tracy. She was attending Adams State College, and I was actually teaching a college Bible study, and I was her college Bible study teacher, and so she married her teacher. Yeah. So, we brought in Charles and Francis Hunter. Need I say more? And the Lord had been working on my dad. And so my dad finally 
decided he's going to go up and get prayer. All right, maybe this thing is for me. I, you know, I, I think it's kind of random. Maybe you get it and maybe you don't. You know, maybe, maybe you get the Holy Ghost and God just kind of sovereignly chooses who's going to get it and who's not. And, you know, maybe one out of a hundred people speak in tongues. Well, you know, okay, fine. Maybe, you know, maybe that's me. So my dad was kind of in that place and he goes to this meeting and, and uh, Charles and Francis Hunter, you know, the style of ministry they had back then, for those of you who don't know who that is, was pretty Holy Ghost oriented and uh, <laughs> to say the least. And when they would minister, they would often lay hands on people, but it was kind of fast, you know. It was like boom, 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 you know, this kind of thing down the line. And there'd be hundreds, sometimes thousands of people. And so as my dad was lined up, in this case, there were probably hundreds, definitely not thousands in our gathering, but um, it was in a big auditorium in Elmosa, Colorado. My dad, First Baptist Church pastor guy, is standing up against the wall, and uh, he's just kind of standing there, and he's doing this, and he has his hands up, praise God. That was a big deal. And all of a sudden, I see my dad go like this, bam, and falls on the floor. And as he falls on the floor, he begins speaking in tongues. <laughs> and my dad gets up, and of course, I'm just absolutely over the moon, excited, elated. And after the meeting, I'm like, Dad, that is so awesome. After all these years, it's really not from the devil, eh? <laughs> what do you think? He was so happy and so excited. But he said, you know, I do have one little issue. And I said, okay, go ahead. He goes, I just don't understand why that lady pushed me. (laughs) Now, here's what was really fun about this, because I was watching when they came down the line, and literally, Frances Hunter was probably almost as far as I am from that first row. She didn't even get close to him. She just walked up and went like this, and the Spirit of God went, and my dad was on the floor. Praise God. Well, I remember the first time I ever raised my hands. I was a Baptist kid. Come on. I just told God, I said, take it or leave it. They ain't coming any higher. I felt so weird. You know what I'm saying? I felt weird. I mean, we were used to doing this on the back of the pew. I used to drive my mother nuts because my first musical instrument I ever played was drums. And so everything in me was percussion and, you know, that's how I play piano now. Can you tell? You know, it's like I play the piano like a drum. Um, but everything in me. So we'd be singing songs like bringing in the sheaves. And I'd be like, yeah. Everything had rhythm to me, you know. I'd hear sounds out in the street, you know, a train would be going by, and I'd be like, I'd be like making up a song to it, you know. My mom would turn the vacuum cleaner on, and I'm like, I think that's B flat. (laughs) And I'd begin singing along with the vacuum cleaner, you know, I'm just, you know, it's weird, I know. So I remember, but it felt weird. And, and suddenly I didn't know what to do with my hands because we'd held a hymn book all of my life. And now my hands were free. And I remember in charismatic, you know, early days, I remember the first time I ever lifted my hands, it, it felt strange. But all of a sudden, I didn't really begin to care so much what people thought. Because I thought for sure I was really looking weird. And as the Spirit of God began to fill me, the hands kind of went a little higher, a little higher, a little higher. Pretty soon it didn't even matter anymore. This is where we need to get. 
as the body of Christ. Doesn't matter what I look like when I dance. I'm not dancing for you. You're not dancing for me. Why are we letting the enemy bind us in these ways? When I lift my hands, I was teaching a worship seminar in Greeley years ago. I heard a lady do, do a whole hour teaching on whether we should lift our hands like this or like this. I'm serious. A whole hour's teaching on whether we should do this or this. I said, if you're a lady, you probably want to do this because that way you can show off your rings. I'm just saying, lift them. Amen. Just allow the life of God within you to begin to arise. And what will happen is you'll be less self-conscious. You'll be not sin-conscious, but you'll begin to be God-conscious. And as your God-consciousness begins to arise from within you, suddenly you realize it's not about me. I've had guys tell me, you know, I'm not a good singer. In fact, I, I sing terrible. I'm like, it's okay. It's not about being a good singer. It's about worshiping God with your voice. Amen. Make a joyful. See, that's all it requires. Let everything with. Are you breathing? Check your neighbor. If you're breathing, you qualify. See? So let the breath of God, let the life of God begin to fill you. Now watch this. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter. That's what we need, guys. We need boldness. We already have it. When I say need it, you already have it in the Holy Ghost. But you need to activate it by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not a spirit of timidity. Ooh. The Spirit of God is not a spirit of timidity. The Spirit of God is a spirit of boldness. Now, it doesn't mean you're obnoxious. It doesn't mean you're rude. But it does mean you're bold. You know your authority. You step into it and you go with it. He says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the Holy of Holies by the latest worship song. No. See, there's no other way to get in there but by the blood of the Lamb. That's why Jesus had to make the way. Now, guys, here's the deal. You're already in that place as a born-again believer. That's where you're seated with him in heavenly places, Ephesians chapter 1. Amen? So he says, this is a new and it's a living way. We're not going back to old covenant. This is a new and a living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil. Hallelujah. That is to say himself, his flesh, his being. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more tonight on what that actually looks like and what that actually means. Now, look with me. Man, there's so many places we could go this morning. Praise God. Um, look with me over at Amos chapter 9 in the Old Testament. Amos chapter 9. At the end of the Old Testament age, you know, Israel had not obeyed God according to the covenant they, that they were living under, the, the Abrahamic covenant, Deuteronomy 28. It was all about blessings and cursings, amen? And God said, I'll bless you if you'll do this, but if you don't do this, you're going to be under a curse. And so they were living under this kind of a covenant for uh, a long time. And things were not going well towards the end of the Old Testament. They had gone into captivity. God had raised up prophetic voices, prophets, 
to come to them, to speak to them, to bring correction to them, to bring alignment to them. And one of those prophetic voices is here in the book of Amos. And Amos 9, verse 11, says something very interesting about Israel being restored. And he says, On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will repair its damages, and I will raise up its ruins, and rebuild it as in the days of old. Now, we all thought when we were teaching on this uh, years ago, uh, many, many teachers were teaching this like this. Uh, I definitely was. Um, wow. I, I took a week, Tracy can remember this, back in the 70s. Uh, I remember the Tabernacle of David revelation beginning to explode on the inside of me. And when this happened, I took a whole week and went up to the mountains and fasted and prayed for a week and just sought God about this. And it was shortly after that that God opened up the opportunity for me to go to Tulsa. And this thing just really began to explode during those early 80s. Um, you know, there weren't many churches that were really flowing in this at that time. And so we began to teach about how God was going to rebuild the tabernacle of David and repair its damages and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. And what we interpreted that to be at the time was that God was going to restore worship like worship was happening in the tabernacle of David. That's what that meant, basically, that, you know, when David did what he did before the tabernacle, uh, that's what God was going to do in the New Testament church. Well, it sounds good, doesn't it? But that's not really what this scripture is talking about. It may be a branch, but that's not the root. And we made it the root. I remember being in a service one time when we were doing this big professional, processional thing where literally they brought in a, a, a what do you call it? A, not duplication, but a replication, replica of the actual Ark of the Covenant. It came down the center aisles and the singers and the dancers and, you know, banners. Remember banners? Those were dangerous sometimes. Especially when they put the weights in the bottom of the banners, you know, and they're... And so the Ark of the Covenant is coming down the aisle and we're singing some beautiful song that sounds kind of Hebrew-ish because we want to be absolutely as scriptural as we can be. And, and we're doing this whole, you know, whoa, the glory's coming in. And I'm, I'm on the platform and I'm, I'm a part of this whole event. I'm, I'm up here singing and, and all of a sudden I look down the aisle and I'm telling you, it's like my heart got so grieved, I started getting physically sick. And I said... Okay, God, what's going on? And I felt like what God was saying to me was, it's become idolatry. You're actually substituting something that once was for something, someone, who is. What on earth are you doing bringing the Ark of the Covenant, an Old Testament symbol, something that was imperfect, when we have a better covenant under better promises and a better way to worship? Amen. And I said, okay, that's it. Love the guys that I was with. I mean, love them to this day. But I wrote a letter and I said, guys, love you, but um, I, I can't go here anymore. Can't do this. So, you know, sometimes those are the prices you have to pay to be able to move on. And some of you will have to do that in your churches. As you go back, let me just encourage you, don't go and just, you know, radically change everything in a week for those of you who are worship leaders. Discuss this with your pastor. 
Let him know what you're feeling, what you're hearing, what you're seeing in your heart. And wait on the timing of God for this in your situation. You can go back and have a wreck if you do this wrong. Because how many know you're dealing with a whole congregation of people? Amen? Or, or a group of people, whatever your, your situation happens to be. And you want to be able to bring them with you in love, not capsize. Amen. So, you know, caution there. Move slowly. So, anyway, this scripture talks about rebuilding this. And he says in verse 12, When this tabernacle is rebuilt, watch this, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, who were actually enemies of Israel, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, the Lord who does this thing. <laughs> all the Gentiles. Who's the Gentile in here today? Okay, that's you. Amen. All the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. Now watch this. He says the days are coming. This is Amos. This is a prophetic word. And of course, it's all in a, a picture kind of format. He says, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman is going to overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. In other words, the harvest is going to come at a level that the harvester is going to overtake the planter. And the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. And the mountains will drip with sweet wine and all the hills will flow with it. You talk about the blessing of the Lord upon the land. Hallelujah. Well, this was a, a physical prophetic word to Israel, but we're going to find that it had a spiritual application for us in the church age. Turn with me to Acts chapter 15. Do you remember when we just read in Acts chapter 2 how Peter uh, later stood up and said, these men are not drunk as you suppose, but this is the fulfillment of what the prophet Joel spoke. Remember? Joel said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will, you know, that whole prophetic word. Well, we see the very same thing happening here now in Acts chapter 15. Look at verse 16 quickly. Acts chapter 15, verse 16. Here's the quote. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which really is just the dwelling place of God. That, that's really what the tabernacle represented was where the dwelling place of God was on the earth. And he said, I'm going to rebuild it and restore it. And I'm going to rebuild its ruins and I'll set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all this thing. Now, if you took time to go through this entire chapter of Acts 15 in context, you would find that there is not one shred of information that talks about worship. This whole tabernacle being restored thing is not about worship. It's about grace. It's about relationship. It's about the Jews and the Gentiles coming in together to become the church. God says, you, the church, my people, are now the dwelling place of God. You are the place of my presence. That's what I'm rebuilding. That's what I'm restoring. It's a better covenant it has better promises, and it's a better way to worship. Praise God. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Man, I wish we had more time. 1 Peter chapter 2. You know the scripture so well. It says this. Chapter 2, and let's begin with verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. Everybody say, I'm chosen. 
and this is my generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm his own special people. Because I now can proclaim the praises of him from the inside out who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. This has never happened before. This has never happened before. That's why I'm special. That's why I'm chosen. That's why I'm peculiar. Because this is not about being conformed. It's about being transformed. There's never been a time when the praises were on the inside. The praises were always on the outside. We are always trying to make the approach and we were trying to come into a place where Jesus had to make for us by his own blood. And now because of his life in us, we have everything we need to let God arise and watch those enemies be scattered as Psalm 68 verse 1 talks about. Praise God. You talk about mighty in the midst of us. Glory to God. It's mighty. It's big. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You know the scripture well, but look at it. It's just important for us to see it, to feed on it. 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Well, you know as well as I do that all things did not become new in the realm of your soul. Right? What became new was in the realm of your spirit. Your spirit was instantly transformed out of darkness into light. And when God came to live in you, he came to live in you wall to wall. Hallelujah. See, for years I was trying to get more of God. I sang worship songs that said, more of you, Lord, more of you. I, I just want more of you. Can, you know, I'm, I'm really glad on many levels, but I'm really glad I'm not God. Can you imagine when he's given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness? You've got everything you need to live a victorious life and you're crying out to God saying, could I have more? What you did for me was not enough. That's really what we're saying. Through our lack of understanding, we don't realize the treasure of Christ in us and what we actually have. That's what became new, is in the realm of our spirit man. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Look at this. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, if you don't know what you have in your spirit man, you cannot partake of what's in there. And how do you find out what's in there? I heard somebody ask that just now. Right here. This is your mirror. As soon as you jump into this and take a look into your spiritual mirror, you begin to see in the spirit what's already in you. Everything that pertains unto life and godliness. Philemon 1.6 says it's your effectual working of your faith. 
It happens through how? Acknowledging what's in you. You got to know what's in you. If you don't know what's in you, how can you let it out? How can you give somebody else something you don't even know you have? Peter, Peter at the gate, beautiful, said, such as I have. So you got to know. You got to know what you have. And you know what, church? It's not about trying to get from God. It's learning how to release what we already have on the inside of us. We've got to spend a lifetime learning and growing and transforming, renewing our mind to the truth of God's word. Because when our spirit and our soul start to come into unity, that's when the power of God becomes manifest. And we just don't have time yet to go into it, but we will tonight. I'm not sure how far we're going to get with this whole soul realm. I wanted to unpack it a little bit further. But we've got to establish this tonight. Because it's the agreement of the spirit and soul together that allow the presence of God to flow in rivers of living water. See, if that was not true, the minute you become born again and all things are new, if it was just up to your spirit to be able to at that point just, whoa, flow, transform, see all the things that we're believing God to see, it would happen instantaneously, right? Because you already have it. So why don't we see it happening? Because we don't know we have it. See, somebody, sometimes people get disappointed after, after they pray the prayer of salvation because they, they hear the scripture and all things have become new. And right after they prayed the prayer, they're like, I don't think it worked. I don't feel any different than I did before. You know, sometimes it, you feel incredibly different. I mean, I had one of those salvation experiences. And when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, man, I'm telling you, it was, it was unbelievable. It was incredible. But not everybody has that kind of experience. And we don't base the things of the spirit on the physical. Spirit and physical are opposites. It's like water and oil. What you have in your spirit, the words that I speak unto you, Jesus said, are spirit and their life. You cannot discern the things of the Spirit by the flesh. The things of the Spirit have to be discerned by the Spirit. And God's Word is Spirit. Sometimes in worship services, it kind of humors me in a, in a sort of perverted way. How worship leaders think it's really the awesome goal to not ever have the Word preached on a Sunday morning gathering that, you know, if we just worship and, and, you know, it's so awesome that we just have to worship for an hour or two hours or whatever. It's like the ultimate of a worship service. You know and I mean? Thank God those times are awesome. But you know what? There should never be any differentiation between the spirit and the word. You know why? They agree. They're one and the same. So the spirit of God and the word of God, it's like, it's like worship and prayer. It should just flow, 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 flow. Amen. So as we learn to renew our minds to the word of God, as we begin to discover what's on the inside, then we can become a partaker of it. But then we can also give to somebody else. We can bless somebody else. And church, this is the goal. This is where we want to get as a body of Christ. We have got to stop living selfish when it comes to worship and trying to get. Instead, we need to live to give. We need to come to church on Sunday morning so full of the Holy Ghost that we're just like a party waiting to happen. If the worship leader's in a bad mood, you're going to cheer him up by your praise. Amen. Instead of trying to come and get, you know, your, your buzz in worship, spiritually speaking, you're going to come on already filled with the Holy Ghost. 
See, now I, I know there's times when you, you're not coming that way. You know, you're depressed, you're, you know, whatever. Okay, you know, we're, we're going to grace you. It's okay. But somebody next to you is going to be filled with the Holy Ghost and is going to encourage you and call you out of that place by the Spirit of God. That's what God's got in mind for us. And as we become the body of Christ and begin to really flow in the anointing that God's already placed within us instead of trying to get it, we're going to be able to speak words of encouragement. We're going to impart. We're going to lay hands. We're going to be able to activate by the Spirit of God. And what we're going to see is going to be transformation. Did you hear me? Transformation. Not just information. Because we cannot transform our cities until we ourselves are transformed. When we begin to experience transformational worship from the inside out, that's when we're going to be able to bless and minister to those who are outside on the streets. I'm so tired. I said it last night quickly. I'll say it again. I'm so tired of people who uh, orient the entire church service around unbelievers. The church should be going out to where the unbelievers are. We should be going out to the marketplace. We should be going and being Jesus with skin on. See, we're the temples, we're the tabernacles, we're the ones with the glory on the inside. And yet we're asking unbelievers to come into our church so that they can receive Jesus. I mean, thank God unbelievers are welcome anytime. But church is not for unbelievers. Church, ecclesia is the Greek word, means called out ones. We're the ones called out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what are we trying to put the light under a bushel for? So that we don't offend our unbelieving friends. No, honey, let it shine. Go ahead and just let it out. Amen? Let God arise. Let Him arise. Let the, let the glory of God that's on the inside just begin to arise. Let it arise through your voice. Let it arise through your hands. Let it arise in your dance. Let it arise through what you speak and what you say and how you encourage and bless other people. Praise God. We're going to begin to see transformation in a way in this generation that I believe we have not seen before. And I'm telling you, we're going to be an encouragement to young people who need to be encouraged right now. In our generation, there's people who are absolutely so in need of mentoring. They're in need of connection. If there's ever been a time when I feel like we're more disconnected as the body of Christ, it's now. And God's wanting to bring together so that the, the body of Christ can be effective. You may be a, a hand or an arm, but if you're just a hand laying over here disconnected or an arm over here, it's like having a bunch of body parts that are not connected. And it's not effective. And God wants us to be effectual. That the effectual working of the body of Christ may build up and encourage and strengthen one another. But it has to happen by the Spirit of God and not by the energy of our flesh. So it's a new day. And we're going to see God doing awesome things. God's already doing awesome things. He's doing awesome things all over the world. And you know what? This message that I'm preaching today is not unique to me. This message, if, if something is born of the Holy Ghost, you're going to begin to hear it from all kinds of different voices all over the earth because that's just how the Holy Ghost is. Amen. So you can either sit on the sidelines and just kind of be like David's wife, Michael, and watch worship through a window and despise what's happening because, you know, he looks weird when he dances. Or you can jump in. You can plunge in. 
You can get ready to just say, you know what, today's my day. I'm not standing on the outside. I'm not going to be neutralized any longer. I am who I am in Christ. I've got a voice. I've got a place. And I'm going to be all that God has made me to be so that I can be an encouragement to the body of Christ and a witness out there in the darkness. That's what God's raising up in this hour. Amen. I'm done.